Gary Jubelin was the lead detective that lived and breathed the William Tyrrell investigation for four years before he was sensationally removed over misconduct allegations in 2019. In April 2020, Mr Jubelin was found guilty and sentenced over illegally recording conversations with Paul Savage. Now he sits down with Leah Harris for a one-on-one -on -one interview revealing he has no regrets about pursuing Mr Savage during the investigation into William's disappearance, but is tortured by the fact that William is still missing and he couldn't solve the crime. Leah, Gary is now a convicted criminal. How is he? He's obviously very disappointed by the court's decision, regardless of his guilt and culpability in what's happened. There's no doubt that this has been a distressing and exhausting ordeal for him and his family over the past year, but he is working on his appeal and he's looking towards the future outside of the police force. There were allegations that this was a witch hunt against Mr Jubilant and that there was internal politics happening within the New South Wales Police Force. The court did find him guilty. How is he about that? Obviously, his defence argued that he had a lawful reason to record those conversations. The court has found that he did not. He says he respects the court's decision. He's previously put a lot of criminals before the court himself, so he has to respect the court's decision. But as I said, they are appealing that decision and that conviction and sentence. It was a pretty candid conversation, Leah, with Mr Jubilin. What did Mr Jubilin talk about? There was a lot that he is still unable to talk about with the inquest into William's disappearance still ongoing. But he spoke about his regret that his actions in recording these conversations with Savage led to the situation now where he no longer has any involvement in the case and the strain that has put on William's family. But he maintains he has no regrets about his treatment of Paul Savage as a suspect. Here's Leah sitting down with Gary Jubelin just a couple of days after he was sentenced. Why did you take on the William Tyrrell case? It was part of my role in homicide. Um, you don't often get to uh, pick or choose uh, the cases that you're on. The team that uh, I took over on Team 2 was uh, running the investigation and uh, it was natural for me to uh, take it over upon the retirement of the inspector. It was a difficult case to take on, though. Yeah, I, I look, it's... I think I've said publicly it's the toughest case I've worked on. Um, so it was a difficult one, but in taking it over five months after William disappeared, I was um, I was looking forward to uh, basically getting in and rolling my sleeves up and having a go. Mm -hmm. The magistrate found that you pursued Savage at all costs, despite what he described as a lack of evidence. Do you stand by how you pursued Savage now? Yes, I, I think something that needs to be understood that uh, in homicide investigation, um, it's important that we pursue lines of inquiry. Now, that can either eliminate a person or put them uh, further in the picture. I make no apologies for uh, pursuing or following up the line of inquiry with uh, Mr Savage. Uh, it was something that had to be done. Um, I take my role as the... Um, lead investigator on an investigation of this nature very seriously and uh, I had no option other than uh, pursue the lines of inquiry. He found there was no evidence against Savage but there were warrants that were approved by the Supreme Court and you had to present evidence to get those? 
Exactly. And uh, look, without uh, I, I, I need, it's important that uh, I respect the opinions of a, a court, but uh, if you break it down, no fingerprints, uh, no DNA, no witnesses, that's basically where we start with most homicides. Um, when it's suggested that Paul Savage didn't warrant uh, pursuing, and pursuing's a pretty strong uh, line, exploring, I, I think is, is probably a, a more apt way of describing it, exploring uh, whether he had knowledge or involvement in it. That view was certainly uh, supported by uh, the Supreme Court judges uh, who issued uh, warrants to uh, record uh, conversations with Mr mm. Savage. Savage is now no longer a suspect. That came out in your criminal hearing. Do you think he still should be? I'm, I'm not going to uh, comment on it. The matter's still before the coroner. It would be inappropriate for me to uh, comment on that. It was asserted in court during your criminal hearing that there was animosity within the strike force and that people thought you were so focused on Savage that you didn't spend enough time on other potential suspects. Were you exploring other people, like Frank Abbott, for example, who's now the main suspect? Most definitely. There was numerous suspects that uh, persons of interest that were being, being explored. And the, the narrative that's come from certain people that uh, I was totally focused on uh, Mr Savage is totally incorrect and self-serving, I believe. Um, I looked at a number of people, and when I say I, I'm talking about the, uh, about the strike force, but the narrative seemed to be that uh, I was just focused on uh, Paul Savage. And that is a total misrepresentation. There was indicators that I had to pursue and follow up, which is appropriate. But uh, to say tunnel vision, no. I've, I've been investigating homicide a long time and I know the importance of having an open mind uh, to where the investigation takes you. So are there any suspects mentioned in the recent coronial inquest that were new to you? Look, I, I've been off the investigation now for um, close on uh, 14 months, 15, 15 months. Nothing that I saw that came out in uh, public record from the inquest uh, that caused me any uh, surprise or concern. Before you were taken off the case, do you believe that you were on track to find out what happened to William? I thought the investigation had direction and purpose. Um, in regards to finding out what happened to William, I can't say whether that uh, would, have, would have played out, but it had uh, purpose and direction. I was comfortable the direction the investigation was heading in. Whether that would result in finding out what happened to William, I just can't be sure. What was it like seeing William's foster mother on the stand twice during your criminal hearing defending you? It was very hard to uh, very hard to see, see that that uh, I'm meant as a police officer to be protecting the victims' families. Um, it seemed a complete reversal of roles where the victims' families were actually in there helping me and protecting me. It's something that. Uh, I'm not pleased with, it shouldn't happen, and it's very unfortunate, but um, William's foster mother made the decision, she wanted to, she came forward and uh, wanted to support me, so in that, that was very comforting to me, but it's a situation that uh, I rather wouldn't occur, I should be protecting victims' families, they shouldn't be protecting me. Mm. And both his foster mother and father have defended you all along, including on this podcast. Yeah, and look, I'm very appreciative of that. They don't have to. Um, certainly with all the uh, all the mud that's been thrown about me and the narrative that's come out, I, I'd fully understand if they walked away or at least had doubts. But uh, they've shown to me that they, uh, they support me and uh, that's very much appreciated. You were found guilty of breaking the law, illegally recording those conversations with Paul Savage. 
that decision to do that has taken you off the investigation and effectively ended your police career. Are you now sorry that you did that? Oh, look, I'd be stupid if I didn't say that uh, I regret doing that. But I preface that with the fact that at the time, I believed I had a lawful right to uh, make those recordings and other circumstances I thought it was appropriate. But for me to sit here and say, no, I'm, I'm quite happy I recorded those, I wish I didn't. And the impact it's had, not just to myself, but uh, those around me and uh, and the impact on the Tyrrell investigation, I think it's, it's terrible. So... I would be a bit uh, ignorant of me to say, uh, yeah, I'd do exactly the same thing again. But having said that, at the time, I believed it was the right thing to do. It's been said in court and by William's foster parents on this podcast, there may have been some internal politics going on in relation to you being taken off the case. A former colleague of yours has said that other officers haven't been pursued the way that you have in the past. Why do you think they pursued you like this? Look, if I answered that, it would be speculative, but uh, I can say this, that in my 34 years in the police, I've never seen anyone pursued in the manner I was pursued or treated the way I was treated. And bearing in mind, uh, I was part of this organisation pre-Police um, Royal Commission. I was working in major crime at the Royal Commission time, and I saw people, um, uh, people targeted and gone after I haven't seen in all my time someone targeted the way or treated the way that I was treated, but uh, it would be speculative of me to offer an opinion on to why that is. Um, I'm not prepared to do that. You now have a criminal record. Will that affect your ability to pursue what you might have been planning to post-policing career, including perhaps privately investigating some of these crimes and perhaps even the William Tyrrell case? I'd like to think it uh, wouldn't. Um, I don't know what the future future holds, but for a police officer that has um, prided himself on uh, integrity and uh, reputation, it is a big blow. Um, how that affects my future employment opportunities, I'm sure there's a potential for it to impact, but I'd like people to see this for what it is. And uh, the one good that has come from this is that at least my trial was a public hearing, so there's no speculation as to what I supposedly did. Um, my crimes is that my crimes are that I breached the uh, Surveillance Devices Act in that I recorded four conversations. That's the start, that's the finish of it. No evidence came out on why I did that other than my explanation that I was protecting my lawful, uh, lawful interests. And uh, so and I still maintain that position. Knowing what you know now, that the William Tyrrell case would lead to the end of your policing career before you'd had the chance to solve it, would you still take it on? This might sound stupid, but yes, of course I I would take it on. Um, That was my responsibility. Um, Detective Chief Inspector in Homicide, my job is to lead investigations, not just the easy ones, but the hard ones. And uh, sometimes you pay a price, I've paid a price for that. Would I, with the benefit of hindsight, not take it on? No way. I I would still put my hand up to take on the investigation. That's what I was getting paid to do, and that's what I would do. William's foster parents, as you know, have a lot of fears for the future of the investigation since your removal. Do you think this case can be solved? I think all cases are solvable. Um, It's been made a lot more difficult in light of uh, what's taken place in the past uh, 14, 14 months. But I hope uh, there's police, and I know there's dedicated police that uh, 
want to find out what's happened to William. I hope they put the resources in and the energy in to find out what's happened to William because uh, we can't accept, and when I say we, I'm talking we as a society, I'm not a member of the police anymore, we can't accept that a three-year-old child just vanishes from a, uh, a street in a small country town. It just doesn't make sense and we've got to continue to pursue it until we find out what's happened. I think and I hope that's what the New South Wales Police will do. It's a matter before the coroner and uh, I've got to put faith in the cranial inquest as well. It has become something of a political hot potato though. Do you think anyone else will actually take it on now? Well, I think the fact that it is a political hot potato, I wouldn't like to be the person that's not um, putting resources into an investigation of this nature. And uh, look, even talking from the outside of the police, I don't think there's a police officer in uh, New South Wales Police that wouldn't want to find answers for what happened to William Tyrrell. So I don't think there's, um, yeah, there's a reason why they wouldn't pursue it. I just hope they put the effort in because it is a difficult one and they're going to have to put an effort in. And that effort might be above and beyond and uh, dispel the misconception that above and beyond is breaking rules. No, it's just putting that extra effort, go that extra yard to find out what's happened, and I hope that's what they do. Because his foster family and birth family deserve to know what happened. 100%. The the pain that the foster parents and the birth parents, the whole family and the extended family have gone through is no-one should have to go through that. And uh, if for anything, it won't bring them closure, but uh, at least it'll bring them some comfort if they find out what's happened to him because it must be eating them alive, um, both the biological and the foster parents, not to know what's happened to him. I'm not asking you to name any names. A lot of your theories came out during your criminal case. What do you think happened to William? Look, I, 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 it's difficult. I've got a lot of what I would consider case theories. Um, one thing that I'm comfortable in saying is human intervention. Uh, in what form that takes, well, that'll be broken down into uh, various theories that I've got on the matter. But uh, following the uh, large forensic search that was conducted, uh, which was uh, in 2018, I, I believe, the purpose of that forensic search was to make sure that we could discount that uh, William's disappearance was not the result of uh, misadventure. I'm comfortable in saying that uh, that William's disappearance is a result of human intervention, and that's all I can really say. Matter it's before the coroner. Hopefully, um, some findings will come out of the coronial inquest. Is it possible that it was an accident and not an abduction? In my time in homicide, you've got to keep your mind open to all possibilities. Um, so, yeah, I think it's something that uh, it's certainly something I explored uh, when I was leading the investigation. I think think it's something that everyone should uh, should consider. Sometimes it's staring you in the face, and other times you think, oh, I didn't see that. So keeping an open mind to an investigation of this nature is important. So all those things should be explored. The court found that Mr Jubilant had no evidence to pursue Mr Savage at all costs, but during that interview he was pretty adamant that he has no regrets about his actions during those investigations. Yeah, he stands by how he pursued Paul Savage. He spoke a lot about those Supreme Court warrants that were granted and those are warrants that he needed to present evidence of his suspicion to have granted, but he wouldn't comment on whether he thinks Mr Savage should still be a suspect. It must be incredibly frustrating for Mr Jubilant 
well, we know he did the wrong thing now in the eyes of the law, but he did live and breathe this case for a long time and he was very, very close to the Foster family and I'm sure he promised them that he would do everything possible to find William Tyrrell. Do you think that's something that keeps him awake at night, that that does torture him, the fact that he cannot solve this case? It absolutely does. And it was very obvious both in court when William's foster mother spoke and from that interview with Mr Jubilant that they had become very close, Mr Jubilant and William's foster parents, that they had shared a connection over this case that no one else will ever be able to understand. And not being able to continue this journey with them as the lead detective is obviously very hard for him. And it's obviously hard as well because this legal ordeal, regardless of who is at fault, has put them through a lot of extra trauma and a lot of extra frustration in terms of detracting from the William Tyrrell case. And that's part of the reason why I asked him about his future employment, um, particularly in regards to the private investigator field, because it was mentioned briefly in court by his barrister that a criminal record would affect his ability to be able to work in that field, which is a capacity that perhaps he could continue to investigate the William Tyrrell case. So that's the reason why I asked him about that. So what do you think the future holds for, most importantly, the William Tyrrell investigation? Because I'm sure Mr Jubilant, like every other police officer, would want this case solved. Absolutely. And as he mentioned in his interview, he hopes that they continue to devote the resources necessary to solve this case. And while it has become a political hot potato, he said that is the reason why they need to solve it and they need to do all they can to solve it. And I think interestingly as well, when we talked about the other suspects in the case, which have recently come out since he's been taken off the investigation, like Frank Abbott, for example, that he was aware of them and that while he might have been focusing on Savage and we've heard a lot about what he was doing to investigate Savage, that those other suspects certainly were on his long list of persons of interest and he was aware of them at the time that he was focusing on Savage. COVID-19 has not only had an impact on Mr Jubilant's case, it's also had a major impact on the ongoing coronial inquest into William's disappearance. That's been postponed indefinitely at this stage. Do you think Mr Jubilant will be called to give evidence? Because that was certainly under fire, the fact that he did not appear at the last coronial inquest. I guess the lead detective that had known the case, lived and breathed it for four years, was not called to give evidence. Do you think he will this time? Because... I guess his case is over. He has been found guilty and sentenced. It's hard to say, but while he has been found guilty and sentenced, he's also lodged an appeal. So his case isn't actually over. There is a good chance that he and the rest of us will likely be back in court covering this case again when this appeal goes ahead. So it is hard to say whether he will testify at the coronial inquest, but it's unlikely that if they haven't called him before now that they will call him based on what's happened since then because like I said his appeal is now going to be ongoing. Leah not only has William's family lost their little boy they've had to endure this emotional roller coaster 
of not knowing still almost six years after he disappeared what happened to William. They've also had to go through a coronial inquest that's been suspended indefinitely and they've also had to go through the the lead detective that they had so much faith in, Gary Jubilant, pulled off the case and they've had ongoing concerns about the ongoing investigation. How is the Foster family feeling at this moment? Well, this whole year-long legal saga involving Gary Jubilant has been really tough on the family. They not only lost the man they trusted to lead the investigation, but then they had to hear about all the infighting and internal politics that had been going on within the team who was supposed to be tasked with finding their little boy. And there's no doubt this has all been a huge distraction from what really matters, which is finding out what happened to William. And it's been so tough for them to have to endure all of this. I think they really hope that the focus can now return to that investigation and the necessary resources will be allocated to make sure that they do absolutely everything they can to bring his family the closure that they deserve. So what's next for the case? We know the coronial inquest has been suspended indefinitely. But the investigation is still ongoing. New South Wales Police say it is ongoing. What's next? The coronial inquest will have to resume again, at least for two more days of evidence. Um, There was some evidence that they didn't get to before it was suspended for COVID-19. So it will have to resume again. We don't know when that's going to be. It will have to be when these restrictions are lifted. And it's expected the coroner will then take some time to consider her findings in the case. And in the meantime, the police say that the investigation is ongoing. Mr Jubilant has launched an appeal. We will, of course, keep you up to date on any further developments in the ongoing investigation into William Tyrrell's disappearance.